0: Maybe don't know, maybe so. this time, this time, this time, this time, <locking> six, time this time, power. this time, power. this time, power. this time, 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 this time,
1: What's up, everybody? I am your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 118 of the Power Company podcast brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com. I know it's been a minute since the last episode dropped, and that's part accident, part on purpose. I had uh, originally hoped to get this episode out on the first of the year, sort of in keeping with tradition, but Getting everything ready for our trip to Waco took over, so I just accepted that. And here we are. I'm in Waco for the next six weeks or so. I've got big goals, both climbing and power company related. As long as I don't get completely distracted by interviewing all the people who are around here, it's an addiction. Seriously. Anyway, a couple of announcements before we get started here. Um, Exciting announcements, actually. This coming May, Nate and I will be giving a pre-conference workshop at the CWA Summit called Coaching Tools for Growth, and I'll also be presenting at the summit on a similar topic as well as discussing deliberate practice and how to incorporate that into your climbing and coaching. The pre-conference workshop is actually really, really exciting to me. We'll be climbing with everyone And we'll be practicing the language we use as coaches, essentially giving coaches a place where it's okay to struggle through a better method of feedback and a better method of language and coaching. Um, If you're a coach or a gym employee who interacts with a youth team, then I think this is a particularly important topic for you. Um, Registration for the CWA Summit is open, and early bird registration lasts until January 31st, so get on it. Uh, For me, personally, CWA has become an event that I have to go to it's imperative for my business for the growth of my business and myself as a coach and it's the networking event honestly that I had always hoped outdoor retailer would be Um, if you're in the indoor climbing world this is the event for you for sure and if you're in the outdoor climbing world and want to connect and network this is one you should also have on your schedule Uh, So I'm really honored to be a part of it this year. Uh, You can find registration links at climbingwallsummit.org or right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputers. Get on it. Early bird registration until January 31st. So today's guest really needs no introduction, but it's my pleasure to introduce her anyway. Ava Lopez is the woman who first got the climbing world excited about research. Um, however, first, she's a climber who wants to improve, and she's a coach. Um, and it's it's that desire that drives her research. And I'm incredibly, appreciative of that. It's not science just for the sake of science, it's science because she really wants to help climbers improve, including herself. Um, We sat down in Salt Lake City at Esther Smith's house the day after a really incredible presentation from Ava that highlighted her passion as a climber um, and really sparked the course of this interview. Um, Ava and I have talked a fair amount since this conversation, And I implore everyone to stick around after the interview so that we can address further some of the things that Ava and I have discussed since. Okay, let's get into this.
2: It's important to to do the best for you in each moment. So forget about the mainstream. Forget about the videos on the internet because they are not for you. Power. This time to build power. This time time, time,
0: time to build power. This time, 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 time to
1: build power. So how did you start climbing in if you were two hours from climbing?
2: Like how did that begin? Ah, uh, well um honestly uh, near home, ten minutes from my home there is um, a rocks. Oh, okay. Uh, very, very, very little. <laughs> right. It's like uh, four meters or five meters of height. Mm-hmm. And I started there in a climbing course. Uh, and then I felt in love with climbing and I decided uh, uh, to do everything I need to climb. No matter yeah. the time and no, by car no matter
1: yeah doing hit hit
2: it's an addiction hitch. yeah <laughs> I, I felt in love totally
1: yeah yeah I was curious beginning. because gyms didn't exist back then
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I started in a gym actually um, run by Renee and Margarita mm-hmm. um, they worked in the gym and helped build the gym that I started in um, so I met them. Twenty-five years ago, when I started climbing,
2: yeah, um, yeah. In my case, it was a climbing course by mm-hmm. a a team of um, people it was uh, starting to develop climbing in in Spain. Uh, we and they lived in my city, and they organized, organized uh, some climbing course in that little crack. And I started climbing, and uh, I built this climbing wall in my home, very very tiny. Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was
1: I thought that was a great photo. Yeah,
2: and tiny I always climbed in a um, wall from a monumental <laughs> building in my city. Yep, it goes like er- erosionated in the. Um, um in the gaps between the bricks, right. there was like a uh, hut. Yep. So we, um, we climbed in there doing traverses yep. in the street, in the monumental uh, historic yeah. <laughs> of the city. <laughs>
1: yeah. I actually just got a text message from my friend Angie Payne um, a few days ago. She took a photo of a wall, a man-made wall in Cincinnati
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um, that I came up climbing on and that she climbed on when she was younger. Um, And we were talking about that, about climbing on these brick walls. Um, And there was one that I spent a lot of time traversing on and I would count my progress. It was over a sidewalk and I would count my progress by how many sidewalk blocks I made it across the traverse. Mm-hmm. And then once I could do the traverse, how many blocks could I come back? You yeah. know, until I could just go back and forth on this traverse. Um, super interesting to to hear that that's the same thing that was happening when you started in the. You, did you start in the early nineties? Is that right? Yeah, in
2: okay. I don't know in nineteen, probably nineteen ninety, okay or so, for them. Mm-hmm. So. There was uh, another time, yeah. <laughs> different time. <Yeah. laughs> it was different time.
1: So how did that love of climbing and this passion for climbing that I see that you still have very strongly, how did that turn into researching specifically about fingerboarding and finger strength?
2: Yeah, it happens that... Uh, I love uh, studying about how to improve my climbing. Right. Uh, this is the um, the birth of uh, my passion for research mm-hmm. because I wanted to be the better climbing I could. Yeah. You
1: said last night that you're a mercenary of rock. Yeah. I, loved, I loved that term.
2: <laughs> totally. At <laughs> the beginning. Yeah. Uh, I was only looking for people who climb with
0: right?
2: <laughs> no matter if we, we get along or mm-hmm. not because the end uh, justified the means Right, you in did that,
1: everything you could to improve in but the only
2: in that uh, stage uh, because uh, I, I had a clear idea I wanted to, to climb as much as possible mm-hmm. because I was happy simple as that <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was happy when I climbed so, um, and, and I wanted to do it uh, harder and harder because it uh, was more fun. As harder, more fun for me. Yeah, I enjoy the difficulty because, I don't know, it's like a game. Mm-hmm. I can't do it now, but I'm, I'm going to think how to improve this ability I haven't now, and this is directly related with my passion with research, Right. because I, um, this feeling uh, is because I want to answer questions, I make me questions about how to improve my abilities, it doesn't matter what, what ability, I want to improve them now i think how to do it and i go to the internet to do research on papers and there i find answers some of them but uh, if uh, not all them are answered in the papers published in that moment then i need to find my own answer Mm-hmm. And I is because of that I started uh, my doctorate studies because I wanted to answer my own questions. Yeah, but it's only about the passion for climbing more and more and better and better and better every day.
1: Right, right, and that's what most of us—that's our motivation. You know, mm-hmm. we we all want to climb harder and harder and better and better. Um, And when your research came out, I think a lot of us latched on to it as, oh, here's a way for us to get better. Um, And just for people who are listening, who aren't already familiar with the study, let's talk a little bit about it. It was in 2009, right?
2: Uh, The first uh, paper published was in 2012. Okay.
1: But my and the, s- the study happened in
2: yeah. But really, actually, that study was done in two thousand and four. Right, right. Two thousand and four. <laughs> but uh, I was doing another things. Sure. I was studying my. I was I was um, following my doctorate studies mm-hmm. and then doing my thesis and then I couldn't publish until then. Right. And then appeared um, my handboards appeared, but uh, they wasn't. They weren't uh, because uh, of a casualty, mm-hmm. because some guys came to me proposing uh, to to write a training plan for their handboards. Right, they right. are selling. They were selling in that time, but these handboards uh, weren't appropriate to me because um, they they haven't uh, the proper size of edges mm. for progressing. Mm-hmm. So they told me, okay Eva designed you a handboard and write a training plan for the handboards and let's sell all together. Yeah. And then the handboards.
1: That's where the appeared. transgression and the progression Yeah, But
2: came many from. people think that they were because I wanted to, to sell them. And then after the handboards, I do, did the research for justifying. Right. That, but right. it was exactly the opposite. It was the opposite. And I don't <clears throat> make a living because of my with my handboard. Sure. sure. <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's
2: only a hobby, so yeah. speaking. It's fun, but it's not my life.
1: Right. And the study was you were you had two groups of people mm-hmm. doing maximum weighted hangs and minimum edge depth hangs and essentially the study was seeing which order those worked exactly. best in. Yeah. Is it better to do a phase of max weighted hangs before minimum edge depth, or is it better to do minimum edge depth followed by a phase of maximum added weight?
2: Yeah, exactly. That 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 goes the the question of the research mm-hmm. to be answered. Um, and uh, it happens that uh, the order weighted hangs and then minimal edge hangs res- resulted better than the opposite. But uh, it's only about that study, it's only about the order. And, but it's true that with weighted hangs, um, you obtain. Obtain more uh, better betterment than with minimal edge hangs at the beginning, but comparing in the in that group uh, the the results. But in real life, if you have never done handboarding, yep. it's is better for you starting with minimal edge method right. because it's less aggressive. And is the minimal dose um, that can provoke improvement. So right. it's smarter starting with the minimal um, dose method.
1: Right, because in your study, the people already had significant climbing experience.
2: Yeah, a lot. It yeah. was like 15 years of, ex- of experience. Right. And uh, they were, uh, they had eight uh, A or eight A plus. No, almost eight B, which is fourteen C level. And they they were experimented climbers and they were strong, mm-hmm. so they were prepared for doing that, for hanging with um, I don't know twenty kilos or thirty kilos, okay. forty kilos. So they
1: had eight. Did they have eight B is thirteen D, I
2: think? It's thirteen, no, is is thirteen yeah, it's true. It's thirteen um, D.
1: Okay. So did they have eight B level or or thirteen D level or were they fourteen C level climbers? That's a pretty big difference.
2: Yeah, they were uh, they were in on average a uh, fourteen fourteen let me think is thirteen. Thirteen D.
1: Okay, so they were eight
2: climbers, D. average. Yeah, thirteen D. Okay, uh, some of them uh, were uh, had sent uh, almost uh, fourteen D.
1: Hmm. Okay.
2: And some of them uh, only thirteen A. Right. So,
1: regardless, they all had quite a bit of experience before doing this plan.
2: Yeah, okay. but not on handboarding because, right. in that uh, time, 2004, nobody uh, used uh, these methods. Right. Honestly, <clears throat> weighted hangs, I didn't see many people doing that. There were some people using that before me, obviously. I know the discovery of right, that. Right. <laughs> not, it's not that. But they they weren't uh, so popular like mm-hmm. nowadays. So, um, but they, they were prepared. They were, uh, their tissues were prepared for hanging with extra weight. Right but I'm not recommending doing that to beginners, obviously, mm-hmm. no, neither beginners in handboarding and neither to elite uh, climbers in, who never used uh, any handboarding method. Mm-hmm. For everyone, the best initial method is the easiest. Because it happens that in, in training, when you haven't used uh, any method uh, about any aspect, the best method for you is the easiest because you are going to obtain improvements. Right. Anyway.
1: Right. And most of us want to go to the hardest. We want exactly. to go possible. to what the the, mo- the best most trained people use because we think that's the way forward. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what you're saying is that we need to do the most approachable, easiest method of training first. And once that doesn't provide any benefit, then we move on to something harder.
2: Yeah, it's true. Because body don't, doesn't understand about uh, harder or, or uh, softer. Right. They know about uh, if 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 he or it's your body is a he or she. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, who knows? Uh, if your body never uh, never uh, did something, uh, the adaptations are going to happen mm-hmm. with that uh, some that something. Right. Uh, no matter the intensity. Because adaptations in a physiological uh, way uh, happens like that. Novelty is enough.
1: Yeah, I think that's that was a big takeaway last night uh, during your presentation. Um, so there were a lot of questions about the hangboard protocols. And your answer was pretty much just... Justin and Steve were both asking about when you hit a plateau with this program, what do I do? Where do I switch to? What protocol is the next best? And your answer was just change something.
2: Exactly, um, change something. Yeah, because um, it happens that that body um, get used to that stimulus Mm -hmm. Especially if it's because of neural adaptations, because they happen very quickly in four, two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks. Right. Depending on your level, you have the adaptations. Mm -hmm. So you need to create new, new stimulus. So you need to introduce some change in your training. Obviously, if you want to gain strength or power, these chains uh, need to be about the intensity and about uh, the exercise. Right. Not about the break between intervals, not about the volume. Sometimes you can do the modification on volume but only if you are a very very experimented climber, okay, and you are prepared for that. But uh, you are creating structural changes, probably.
1: right. Can With we talk a little bit about the differences between neural adaptations and structural adaptations? Yeah, of course. Um, mm-hmm. why would you look for one or the other? Is one and I'm I know what the answer is to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it better? To look for neural or structural adaptation,
2: the better, again is uh, is the most uh, proper for you in every in right. each moment. Yep. The so dip-
1: why would we look for neural adaptation? What's the benefit there?
2: Yeah, you need. Uh, it happens that strength depends of several factors. Uh, develop uh, develop uh, strength from how the signal to your muscle uh, came and the way that, uh, that uh, muscles and f- fevers connect uh, between among them and synchronize and uh, which is the um, motor firing and the recruitment, meaning the the number of uh, fibers activated at the same time, and and also about um, the fine-tuning of the contraction, so speaking. All those factors are called neural adaptations, and they happen in a very short um, amount of time several weeks Mm -hmm. even sometimes days right they are very quickly so they are really motivating because you are gaining strength very quickly right and you are like excited Mm -hmm. but also because they are quickly you reach a plateau immediately and that's when structural changes can be can have uh, has a place in the equation. Structural changes uh, are related to hypertrophy.
1: So muscle size.
2: Muscle size and also with uh, with um, capillarization mm-hmm. also related with the source of energy so the quantity of glycogen your muscles can uh, re- reply, re- replace and uh, uh, store okay and also related with the enzymes to um, for the metabolic pathways mm-hmm all those things are related to structural changes. Okay. But because they are structural, it means that your body needs to create them, and it this takes a time. Right. To be developed. You so it's need not some, a fast result. Exactly. You need several weeks, <clears throat> more or less. You need a minimum. Of uh, six weeks, so speaking for an okay. average a athlete, eight is better, but it's better 12, 20, I don't know. So if you combine um, both changes, you are gaining strength in a, a steady uh, way. Right. You are continuously. Or hopefully yeah. <laughs> gaining strength but you need to be aware about uh, the place of every uh, method of each method when using neural adaptations for example, if you are, if you have a vacation from here to in two weeks or in two months better. Uh, you probably are going to gain strength using the neural method. Right. right. So if you're looking right. for
1: a quick boost.
2: Exactly.
1: Neural adaptations are what you should look for. Yeah.
2: And it's also um, comfortable to use because the break between sets is long. Right. And you are um, learning about the management of your training load, uh, meaning the kilos or the size of the edge. mm mm-hmm. And you are learning about your body, about how you react to the to each set, to each repetition, mm-hmm. and it's very beneficial in some in many many ways. And then you change to um, or a structural uh, method, or you change to. Um, Another hanging time, different hanging time, Mm -hmm. in order to, again, create some stress on your body to react and uh, gain, to gain in.
1: Right, so a protocol that's more neural adaptation is is better specifically for short training periods Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: um, where you're looking for... A trip that's coming up or you've got a few weeks until the season is here is there a reason to train neural adaptations if you're in a longer training cycle or should you just focus on structural changes then
2: i prefer the first option i said first neural method okay Um, I have several reasons for that. I explained uh, some of them right before. Mm -hmm. And the third is that if you achieve more strength with this method and quickly, you are going to use in the structural method, you are going to use uh, smaller edges or more added weight, with um, uh, with a lower rest period period length, because you have acquired uh, strength at, in the beginning. Right. You understand, and this is more beneficial than starting first with the structural changes method, mm-hmm. which is so cruel and intensive, because you need to to use um, a smaller uh, a smaller um, breaks between sets in for order the structural. to yeah for structural changes more one of uh, there are three three parameters to modify in this method one of these is hanging time if you use this, you you have to use hanging times very long and uh, not very long um, rest interval between the sets Mm -hmm. and more volume, more sets than in neural changes method. Right. And this is very intensive and stressful and uh, you need to put more effort than in the other method. Right. So it makes sense to me to use first the more uh, um, comfortable method, so speaking.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think... I really like the neural methods partially because a lot of my clients are people who have full-time jobs, kids, families, and it's a shorter workout Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: they can get big benefits from spending less time. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really like it for that reason. Um, I like to put it into their training plans in such a way that it's not going to affect their family life or their work life. Um, and if it's just a a very short workout, then that's helpful to them. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate it for that reason. Um, let's, let's just really quickly, I know you've talked about these things already. I want to just make sure I've got it detailed for people so that they can understand why one method is neural versus a method that's structural so a neural hanging workout correct me if i'm wrong here needs to be very intense
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a shorter hang with a longer
2: rest yeah and shorter volume
1: than and less overall volume.
2: than structural uh, changes method the here is uh, there is a curious thing that a structural method for example repeaters uh-huh. is the name and the uh, more popular popular nowadays mm-hmm. repeaters or intermittent hangs i i like more this term intermittent hangs um you do it um, in short time um in my in my in the method i proposed is very very quick because you do three sets of four repetitions of 10 seconds on and 5 seconds off and 1 minute between sets so in 5 minutes or 6 minutes you have uh, finished the workout
1: okay so your intermittent hang workout is considerably shorter than a lot of the popular repeater workouts that...
2: That other, from other authors. Right, right. Yeah, in the method I proposed, uh, I use uh, only three to five sets of four repetitions. I use only one grip type, but uh, this is because uh, probably in my country, Every climber after doing handboarding uh, do um, climbing training right. on the wall. Right. But if you don't have any climbing wall in your home or um, you are working and you don't have the time, mm-hmm. it makes more, more sense to me uh, doing several grip types right. in the session because mm-hmm. you are not going to climb. Right. But if you are going to climb, it's impossible doing three grip types in the same session with such intensity and such a shorter interval between sets and then doing endurance climbing or bouldering mm-hmm. It's not possible. You need to do uh, only in a separate session. Uh, that uh, training if you want to climb after. Right. Do you so,
1: prefer, do you always do your hangboard workouts before climbing? Hmm. Or are there occasions where you do the hangboard workout
2: after climbing? I only do uh, hangboarding after climbing. In the case, for example, if I use the maximal hangs method, mm-hmm. And I am um, in the competitive cycle or a specific mesocycle. Uh, sometimes, for the elite uh, climbers, I used in the opposite uh, order, meaning first uh, um, power endurance method, then bouldering method in the world, and then maximal hangs. Okay. Why? Because it's the specific way uh, when you are climbing hard. Mm-hmm. You are fatigued and you are, you have to grab small holes. So I reproduce that um, um, combination of exercises to mimic, the situation in climbing, right, and but, only for the elite, but climbers. it's only with elite climbers at and only in, in a specific mesocycle. Before before that, if the climber is the elite climber, needs uh, a lot of uh, finger strength. I do it always before climbing, and if I can, if they can, in a separate session in the morning. Right. In order to make sure they are recovered enough for doing the bouldering training in Mm -hmm. the evening or the technique training in the evening.
1: Yeah, that's where I've found the most benefit myself is hangboard in the morning, do my finger strength training in the morning, and then climb in the evening, Mm -hmm. um, bouldering.
2: Yeah, Um, it's better.
1: That's where I've found the most benefit yeah when strength. in the case of someone who who really needs to you know really intense bouldering is going to help them quite a bit, but they only have one session. Would you still put the finger strength first? Hmm. Okay.
2: always uh, when you are talking about strength, when you are talking about power training, it's very important. It's key to be fresh. Mm-hmm. Is the key for uh, strength gains. So you need to do it first in the session. Right. As uh, the more important is the goal. Also, it's before. It's uh, better uh, to do it before. Better to do it fresh, and then the. Um, Physical, technical content, so speaking. It's bouldering or power endurance or endurance or strength exercises in general for your upper body or your core or your shoulder or your legs. Mm-hmm. Uh, after, after that, or in the evening or one day in a week in a separate session. But finger strength, always the first.
1: Even if it's a structural
2: um, good question. Because in that case, I need to separate from the contents of the of strength in the wall, and I use that method in the days I train power endurance. Okay. Or endurance, and I do it first in the session. Okay. Also, okay. so mm. I I use uh, the maximal hangs in the days I do bouldering. And uh, power um, training. And in the days that I train power endurance, endurance and contents similar to that with uh, strength and conditioning, uh, I do the intermittent hangs and or repeaters, what you prefer to call them. Right, right. Uh, in those days. So I put far away the contents of related with endurance from the contents related to strength because the endurance or structural changes method interfere in a negative way with the contents related with strength.
1: Right, right. Like you just said, you have you need to be fresh to get the yeah, most out yeah. of strength and power sessions. Mm-hmm, and those mm-hmm. endurance sessions don't leave you fresh.
2: Exactly. Yeah. And with the boulderer athletes, athletes, uh, they usually do the fingerboarding and the campus board exercises in different days than climbing training.
1: Do they do fingerboarding and campus exercises in the same session?
2: Depending on the exercise on campus. Okay. Because cam- I usually use campus board uh, as a, a summary of finger strength and pulling strength.
1: Mm-hmm. The if two you- combined.
2: Yeah, it's the perfect combination. And it's similar to climbing. You are uh, pulling and you are grabbing holds right. without uh, feet. Mm-hmm. So it's very specific. But at the beginning in the season, I use uh, finger boarding. And pulling strength and different exercises, um, and I combined them. After that, I I can uh, do at the same time fingerboarding, but uh, depending on the exercises you use in the campus board, I use in the same session or not.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've when I've had people who because of time limits need to be doing both in the same session. I try to keep the and it's same here. Tell me if you think this is a a wrong method or if I should do something different. But I've had people do a more neural hangboard workout, so a max hang. Mm -hmm. And then their campus workout is very short and always on the bigger holds focused more on the pulling power mm-hmm. as opposed to adding in that finger strength component
2: yeah, um, that you're exactly. talking about. That's good. Okay. That's a good idea. Yeah. And another method is combining uh, in a contrast method mm-hmm. uh, those exercises. So using um, maximal hangs and then go to the campus board for a short exercise, mm-hmm. and then again, another set of the combination of those right. exercises. Right. And this is a good approach, but only for advanced athletes. Right. And so in a hard the specific,
1: isometric hang yeah. followed by an explosive exercise Exa- on the campus yeah. board.
2: Using for shorter time that finger strength and with a peak force. Right. When you grab a hold, which is very specific and very, and you are working on your explosive strength, you are combining heavy loads with medium loads in a specific way, and this is very interesting for advanced climbers.
1: Right, that's what I was going to say. For for a higher level climber, yeah, this for is higher something level only, who've developed the high strength and the high dynamic climbing style and then can combine them together
2: exactly yeah but many people uh, uh, for example women we have not uh, it's not bad uh, our finger strength but our pulling strength is behind our finger strength yeah in many cases so we need to develop the pulling strength on big holds on campus board or with pull-ups, doesn't matter, with weight exercises. Right. And working on the finger strength. And only when you have achieved enough level of both, you combine them on the campus board in a 20 millimeters edge or 25 or 30 millimeters rank. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you are losing your time. Right. Especially if you are doing leathering. Mm-hmm. Because you have no enough pulling strength, right. you can do maximal reach or maximal uh, one move. It's good for mm-hmm. pulling also, yep. but not for laddering. Right. So you need to attend. You need to pay attention to to the climber as always. What is the perfect combination? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that's, that's something that you talked a lot about last night. Um, and I think is really important paying close attention to that specific climber, individualizing how they're using a, a hangboard or a campus board and how the, how the programming works depends on the climber Um, yes i think that's really really important and you know i was thinking last night after i left um, the presentation about having this conversation with you and my thought was (laughs) i should call this podcast the best hangboard protocol (laughs) because that's what everyone wants. They want the best thing.
2: Yeah, you are going to attract attention <laughs> and then they they are going to be frustrated <laughs> because yes. I'm going to do to say the opposite. Right. There is no best method. Yeah. There are there is no magic bullet. You right. say that. Uh, Yeah, because uh, bodies like that, uh, you reach a plateau, no matter what method you are using, you are Mm -hmm. going to reach a plateau. And uh, more importantly than that, if you are a beginner in handboarding and you are using the more advanced method, you are shortening your long, long long-term improvement, Mm -hmm. because you are um, burning uh, stages of development in your body, because uh, your body are getting used very quickly to the more advanced method, and you are losing the opportunity to um, take advantage of the easiest ones. Right. Uh, they are going to be beneficial for you for sure because there are many studies about that. With untrained people, any method, any is beneficial. Right. Any. So I prefer to use the easiest, the more comfortable. The, um, that would uh, affect um, less to your skin, I don't know. the more the more comfortable for you is is the best yeah. one for you and then you need to think how to change if you introduce a, a small changes is better because um, you are not burning faces right you are not uh, shortening your improvements in long term so if you are using 12 seconds hanging and then you go to 10 seconds
0: mm-hmm.
2: and then you go to eight se- hanging time and then perhaps you go to 15 again and then 20 and then you change to repeaters mm-hmm. because you in this way you are going to be motivated uh, all the time because you are changing. And you are uh, thinking, well, my body is cre- are, is creating new adaptations because I'm t- doing well, this aspect. But uh, I reckon that uh, this behavior is not easy to do because you need all the time to pay attention to you and mm-hmm. to your training and and this is an effort yeah this is a cognitive effort and requires energy and requires uh, you spend energy on on yourself and not uh, many people has that energy perhaps or I don't know. People very much want to
1: just be told what to do
2: and... Yeah, it's, it's easier. What the easy. best
1: method is and I can just do this and then I'll become the best. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Um, and there's more to it than that. You know, they have to spend time thinking about what is the next best step for me toward my goals. Um. Because some of the protocols out there may not lead them toward their goal. Mm-hmm. This time, when they have a new goal, that might be the best protocol for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: It's hard to say. So so what you're really saying is that there is no best protocol, but all of the protocols are the best. Yeah. It just depends be, on you.
2: Depends on you and depends on you set the, your goal. Because if you are climbing on a crack... With many slopers and with pinches, mm-hmm. and you are training on a on an edge with half crimp, and you need your open hand and your sloping strength, you are uh, spending your time in something perhaps useless. Right. So you need to think a little. What is for? What do I need? And then I think a little, for a minute, and I I can decide the best method for me. If I'm climbing in Red River, and I need a power endurance, and I need a, a, to climb in a specific way, not the very. F- uh, not in a very static way, looking for the holes, and that's because you are going to get tired immediately, right? Because the endurance that uh, routes uh, require. So you need to think about your goal, about uh, how many times you have been training until then, and what uh, you have done before that moment. If you have been using ten seconds time for hanging in your maximalist hangs strength training, it's time to change. You need to change. You can't do that forever because it's useless. Mm -hmm. You are only maintaining, Mm, hopefully, but uh, perhaps you are spending your time. For nothing.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's really nice to hear you, as someone who's spent a lot of time, a lot of energy thinking about which hang protocol works better than another hang protocol in what situation. Um, It's, it's nice to hear you. You're not saying it doesn't matter. But you are saying there is no one best
2: for everyone. And forever.
1: And forever. For everyone
2: and forever. Yeah, because this is important. And that's why perhaps is the reason that my articles are so long (laughs) always. Because I'm worried about the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm worried about uh, you think this protocol is the best for you forever. Right. I want to give you the details in order you choose on your own what is the best method for you. Right. How many sets, how much uh, is the perfect uh, hanging time for you in the moment? because there are many options. Yeah. And you can invent your your own method also. Right? Because but
1: but Ava says that this is the best way.
2: Uh, no, it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> I I never de- said that. And uh, for long time for long time uh, because I you, I sometimes some uh, people write me, write me. Mm-hmm. emailed me and I see in the forum website sometimes things that I, th- <laughs> I think oh my god <laughs> <laughs> I haven't uh, said uh, that in any moment but they are saying that this uh, is what I said it right. was said that the method uh, more effective is maximal weighted hangs it's not true.
1: Right, that's missing a lot of the parts.
2: Yeah, the moment and the study, because I did uh, some, I published these papers, but a paper a study is a very close uh, experiment. You right. need to, to choose the people, the duration of the um, intervention, a hanging time, a rest between sets, a number of sets, and um, what's your question to be answered. So you need to um, to be very specific. But real world is not like that.
1: Right. The re- the results of that study, what we can extrapolate from that study, from
2: any situation, is also
1: very specific to that study.
2: So Sa- yeah.
1: We can't necessarily take that out into every
2: situation and apply it. Exactly. And for many years, people were, were doing this protocol, weighted hands and minimal age, and weighted hands and minimal age, 10 seconds and 10 seconds all the time because right. that is study. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, it was like <clears throat> frustrating for me because it was misunderstood. Mm-hmm that this, this is the only protocol uh, beneficial for everyone. And th- this is not true. I only did a study and I did a research. And uh, it's on to you, it's up to you to choose your option, mm-hmm. depending on your level and your situation and your goals and your experience on training. And that's why I started when I could. I started to write again about the different uh, protocols to use, about comparison between them, because right. I did also a research about repeaters versus maximal hangs mm-hmm. versus a combination. Right. But I couldn't publish uh, until now, <laughs> so people it was weren't uh, talking about. Those different uh, options, until right? Then. So and when that
1: study came out, people did the same thing. They said, "Well, Ava says <laughs> this is better than this, so from now on, we don't do this anymore. We only do this." And <laughs> and again, you know, I know we're saying the same thing over and over here, but that's not what you're saying at all. What you're saying is that in this situation. Here are how these compare against each other.
2: Yeah. And uh, it makes sense that uh, for finger strength gains is better maximal hangs. Right. If you have only eight weeks or four weeks is better maximal hangs. Because for uh, repeaters, you need to expect for more weeks of training.
1: For structural changes. Yeah.
2: Yeah but uh, in the studies uh, many many studies about every sport say the same yeah heavy loads lead to higher gains on short term than the others Mm -hmm. but in long term what is the case in every climber you need to combine so you need to 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 keep in your mind uh, those ideas, to combine the methods, and depending on your goal and the time you have for training, you choose. But you choose because you know uh, what uh, you are doing. Right. It's a well-informed choice.
1: Yeah, and you've paid attention coming up through the the levels of of hangboarding, of training, of campusing, of climbing, whatever it is, um, instead of, like you mentioned before, people just want to jump straight to the hardest thing. Um, it's better to learn coming up through those easier methods. Or easier is uh, is a, a loaded word because people yeah don't want to do it if it's easier
2: yeah because they you know? feel like a Greek. Yeah. They, they feel um, not so <clears throat> good that they are using the most glamorous and sophisticated right. method. Because feeling well with yourself is also important, mm-hmm. the motivation in your training. Uh, but again, it's a matter of uh, ma- maturity somehow as a climber, but also as a person. Yeah. If you are only following the mass, following the mainstream, uh, we are different each other. So you need to be mature and you need to be uh, smart, yep. because again, what do you want? Uh, what they want, what we want is improving all uh, for. Um, all my life yeah, if I can. Absolutely. And secondly, not getting injured. Mm-hmm. And third, or even better, the first one is being motivated enough for uh, uh, continuing, for keeping training and keeping climbing. And for the three um, ideas, it's important to, to do the best for you in each moment. So right. forget about the mainstream. Forget about the videos on the internet because they are not for you. Right. Many people are doing campus board with straight arms because they have no the power in their arms mm-hmm. for for pulling and flexing elbows. Right. And this this is crazy when I see this. Yeah. I think.
1: It makes wow. me cringe every time.
2: Good at you thinking. Mm-hmm. Good is for this exercise for you.
1: Yeah. I really like the phrase start where you are. And I think that when we go outside and we go choose a route to try, we do that oftentimes automatically. If you're a 511 climber, you don't go outside and get on 514. But when we go to train, if we're a 5.11 climber and we've just seen a 5.14 climber doing a campus board workout on the internet, we wanna go do that workout. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the idea of starting where you are needs to be implemented across the board, not just in your climbing, but also in your training, be it fingerboarding, campusing. Did that person campus when they were a 5.11 climber? Probably not.
2: Probably not. And
1: that's how they got to be a 514 climber and able to do it. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's only about patience. And uh, it's only about stopping for a while to think about uh, a couple of things Mm -hmm. at at the end.
0: Yeah.
2: you who were. you are and what you want and um, if you want to do it uh, well, it doesn't matter what people think about you right because your goal is in long term. Great, mm-hmm. great for a moment because in a few years <laughs> yep. who knows? I right. working on my improvement, if you are working in, in improve in improving, uh, you are going to improve.
0: Yeah,
2: every day because it's true. Every day you are changing, you are doing well.
1: Mm-hmm. They uh, might be tiny, small improvements. Yeah, but they're still not, improvements. Not
2: always in your physical aspect. Many times because this is not a, an endless uh, path. Physical capabilities sometimes, especially related with power and strength, uh, you reach a plateau. In your life, yep. many times, yep. and, and some uh, how, but you need to create adaptations in other ways: coordination and efficiency and mm-hmm. tactics, tactics and body control and cognitive yeah. changes. Yeah. This is really important, especially for endurance. And many people don't uh, know know that. Mm-hmm. Is is what I said before many times. When I'm trying a very stamina enduring route with many stamina, you want to to fall down because you want, you don't want to to keep suffering. You don't so want to keep fighting. Yeah. yeah. So it's on your mind. And there are now nowadays there are a line of investigation about that, about the mental aspect of mm-hmm. fatigue yep. and endurance training how everything depends of your inhibition response right. is called. it's called mean, it means it um, means in very short uh, phrase um, I. I'm going to keep doing this Right, I want to do it. I'm tired, but I want to reach that hole. I'm going to try again again again. I'm not going to give up. I don't want this <laughs> feeling, but I want uh, I want to do this route I'm right going to keep doing, keep yeah, training. that's
1: more important to me than being comfortable right in this moment,
2: yeah, yeah, so it's only about uh, one. Uh, Move from else,
1: yeah, exactly. Have you read the book? Um, I don't know if there's a, a Spanish translation. How, how
2: bad do you want it? It's a book that's about, a great
1: book, yeah, yeah. I it was about
2: Marcora studies, you say. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: there's a book called Indoor by Alex Hutchinson.
2: I don't. I haven't read it.
1: It's relatively new, but it also is digging into the, the science of endurance and yeah. how the brain interacts with the body to yeah. um, allow you to continue or not.
2: Yeah, you have, they, is, he has many articles yeah. about that in a blog. Mm. He, he writes. I have read uh, those yeah. articles, but especially the... Um, the article from Marcora mm-hmm. about that uh, inhibition response, about yeah. the cognitive effort on the on the endurance training, how important it is. Yeah. It's not only about how many sets right. I have to do, and uh, how much rest I I do between them. Is also about your mental, your mindset during your training you put uh, all the aspects together, it's a better training. Mm-hmm. Concentration, Absolutely. motivation, and, uh, and, yeah, physical aspects and tactics. Everything combined in your set is better.
1: Yeah. I thought it was great seeing the image of you. I believe it was when you were working on White Zombie. Mm-hmm. Um which is fourteen B, so eight, yeah, it's four. It's fourteen B, yeah. Eight C is that eight eight C. C, yeah. Um, that you said that was a important for you to learn new tactics. Yeah, when you were working on that route, and I think a lot of people tend to believe that they already know everything there is to know about tactics when they've reached five thirteen. Yeah, and this is key. But there's still so much to learn.
2: It's is key for me. I started climbing outside with my stopwatch mm-hmm. from many years, many years ago, I don't remember. Ten years ago, I started to do it that because I realized that I was exhausted when I reached the last um a key section mm-hmm. because i was i am very um, effort uh, climber and if i need to rest uh, for 10 minutes in a bad rest i do it mm-hmm. because i suffer whatever
0: right right <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is
2: needed <laughs> but then i can't uh, i couldn't uh, reach the um, the car because I was destroyed Mm -hmm. because of the resting points. So I learned to use my stopwatch and when I reach the stop section, the resting section, I push the button of the stopwatch Mm -hmm. and I tested what is the best time to be here for me. Two minutes? Three minutes? Okay. And then I learned it. To recover in just two minutes, right? In every resting section, no matter if it's uh, very good holds or not, but two minutes for me is the goal to reach regarding recovery between um, cracks in a root.
1: Right, that's that's the magic bullet for you.
2: Yeah, for me. Yeah, in that time.
1: But everyone listening is going to say, okay, I need to only rest uh, no, for please. two minutes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> please, uh, re- listeners, please <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> no, you need to Ava says, you need to test uh, what is the best time for you. And you, another th- important thing is that you ad- automatize your climbing if you are um, re- rehearsing the route. Uh, you forget about the emotions and feelings mm-hmm. because you are only a robot. Right. You are only executing mm-hmm. the task.
1: You're a machine.
2: I'm yeah. This hole with the right hand, and now I do a drop knee, and now I mm, look at the next hole. And this only an automatized task. You are not thinking, and you are concentrated. In the right. task, you right. are not thinking in the failure. You are not thinking in your—I don't know—your problems in life. Mm-hmm. You are only executing, and you are waiting for your what, your time: three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. Okay, <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. going to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the next section. The, the Ava beep, beep, robot, beep. yeah, type robot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then you don't to.
1: let the emotion back in until you're. At the, at the finish. Exactly, yeah. I yeah. don't
2: lo- allow yeah. the emotions appear because they distract uh, you Yeah. sometimes. If they are positive, okay. Uh, you can work on it and I work on that all, yeah. all, all, yeah. all the time. I say things to me. I call uh, them, uh, yeah, it's called self-instructions. Mm-hmm. And all the time, I say to me things during the climb. Come on, I don't know. Every every section has concrete extractions Mm -hmm. for that.
1: Yeah, so those are built into your... Process into your robotic process. Exactly. Like I need this instruction Robot at this is
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, 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 and it's very fun.
1: Well, I think it's interesting you learn
2: you learn a lot about how how you can keep concentrated on yeah. the task in this way. And for everyone, again, it's different because I, I had a climber. Uh, he only used uh, images in in his brain mm-hmm. about videos, about songs, hmm. songs. Yeah. About I don't know jokes. It's different for everyone.
1: Yeah, I just recently, on one of the small projects that I was working on, was had to be very focused through the first. Um, Twelve meters or so. Um, very focused through that. Nothing in my brain except for robotic execution. But then once I was once I was through that, and in the easier climbing above, it worked best for me to
2: repeat repeat
1: lines from a song.
2: Yeah, distractions. To take me out
1: Mm. of thinking. Mm
2: -hmm. And just, Mm
1: -hmm. I was just singing a song and executing the easier moves. Yeah. You know, so I could allow that in through that easier section. Mm -hmm. Um, I I do, I think it's fascinating, though. You said something that sparked something in my brain. When you're robotic and you're not allowing the emotions Mm -hmm. to affect your climbing. So often those emotions, if they're allowed in, do mark the end of the climb, whether mm-hmm. it's the, the anchors or not. Yeah. If we allow emotions like fear and uncertainty um, and doubt mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. Our, our climb, if we come out of robot mode and allow these emotions in, that marks where the end is going to be. Until you've learned to quiet those emotions, come back into robot mode and continue.
2: Yeah, yeah. I usually have uh, several sentences works Mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. One of them is, okay, you never know. Because sometimes when you are climbing, you are evaluating yourself. Mm -hmm. You are over-analyzing your actions. And this is really... Uh, bad. Sometimes. I'm too
1: tired. I can't do it.
2: Oh, this time is I'm doing ba- bad. Bad. Um, I'm not doing so well that yeah the previous. Oh, oh my God! And you are you are anticipating the failure. Mm-hmm. So I cut the the thought and I think, okay, who never? I never know. Right. Who happens? We'll see. We'll see. You climb. You climb. You climb. Only the present hold is the best trick for me. Only mm. the present, only yeah. this hold, and then another hold, and then another one. Who knows the future? The future yeah. is, is not right. And you sometimes antis, anticipate the future because you lived, um, if, but if you have lived a very good uh, past, you have a past of overcoming obstacles and sending routes uh, very hard for you, but you have worked enough, mm-hmm. and you have to. You have done it. Then that past is anticipating that your future could be good also, right. because why not? You have done before, so. You don't know. Yeah, <laughs> you only yeah. have to keep on climbing. You never know. And see what happens.
1: Yeah, and when you don't know, you can just say to yourself, well, Ava says...
2: <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Ava,
2: Ava <don't> <laughs> doesn't. <laughs> yeah, you, you can think what yeah. you yeah. want. If, if
1: Ava says no one knows, so
2: Exactly. Try it. Just try, just try. Yeah. And then analyze and reach conclusions and put uh, um, some work for you for time and you are going to improve for sure yeah because well, it's unavoidable improving is unavoidable
1: <laughs> yeah Ava says it's unavoidable <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: who knows <laughs>
1: well Eva I appreciate you sitting down and chatting and and I, your presentation last night was great. I, I wish everyone had a chance to see it and to thank you. And to understand what that process looks like from your perspective. Um, so yeah, thank you. Thank you a ton.
2: Thank you to you and your listeners for the patience in trying to understand me.
1: Yeah. But you, you do a great job with English. That's
2: that's not I, even a concern. I'm so. trying. <laughs> I'm not perfect, so...
1: Yeah.
2: i improve,
1: for yep. sure. Are you always improving? Ava says it's unavoidable.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you are alive, you are changing and you are improving. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, uh, Ava. Thank you.
1: Now, when I first heard Ava's pragmatic approach to training, I was... I was actually somewhat surprised. I had fallen into basically the same trap that many people had, uh, looking for answers to big, broad questions within small, specific studies, when in fact the author of those studies knew better. And I should have too. Uh, This isn't to say that the studies are pointless. Not at all. Not even close. What they are are the first steps forward in a march that is much, much longer than we're giving it credit for. I mean, look at the science of strength training, for example. It's much, much older than the science of climbing, and they're still arguing about the most effective methods. Why? Because there isn't one answer. Ava is very aware of how these little snapshots in time, like this podcast or blog posts, can be taken out of context. And with that in mind, Ava is compiling a fingerboard training guide on her website. Right now it's in three parts, and she says more are planned, but of course, give her time. She's busy researching, training, coaching, climbing for herself too, just like you and all of us are. And you can find links to that right there in the show notes on your pocket supercomputers. Obviously, I think anyway, that the one big takeaway here is that there is no one size fits all method that works best in every situation. To decide what's best, you have to know about the climber, their goals and their experience, both climbing and training experience. And that can give you an educated place to start. A start simply because people may respond differently to the same stimuli based on each person's differing profile. Ava knows this, and she applies it in her own coaching, and really wants to make sure that everyone understands this. A a 7-3 repeater isn't better than a 10-5 repeater, or a max weighted hang, or a minimum edge depth hang, or whatever. They're just different protocols that will produce different results. For different people. And we're constantly learning to better predict what those results will be. Um, we're taking big steps in that direction, thanks to people like Ava. I've got a note from Ava in which she lays out some basic principles of approaching fingerboarding. But you're going to have to wait for that discussion. Nate will be here in February. He and I will discuss it in a board meeting. So until then... First off, huge thanks to Ava for sitting down and joking with me and having this conversation. It was amazing. I hope to do more of these. I'll come to Spain. We'll do a whole series. And you can find Ava at the links in your show notes right there, again, in your pocket supercomputer. You can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com and at Power Company Climbing on the Instagrams, Facebooks, and Pinterests, of course. And you can look for us on the Twitters, but because Ava says, we don't tweet, we scream like eagles. schoolgirl when we left because he's it's like cool. what he's say? like uh he was blushing and he was just very much like Ava knew who I was she she knew I was the other voice on the podcast he was <laughs> he was so excited by that
2: but uh, he's more famous than me for <laughs> sure <laughs> I am not
1: oh he'll he'll love that. to hear that